Luke, or Acts chapter number 9, uh, the, Luke, the doctor, wrote this particular thing. And I tell you what, I, I know there are every book of the Bible is a good book, but whatever book I'm reading, that's the one I like the best <laughs> at the time. And boy, Acts chapter 9 is kind of interesting because we have been talking since uh, early on in the middle of the book of Acts about a guy named Saul, Saul of Tarshish. And uh, we see that he comes from being an adversary to Jesus, to being confronted by Jesus, to surrendering to Jesus. And, but he is going to have to have some years of reprogramming, some years of discipleship, some years of work that God is going to do in his heart and life. Two years in Arabia, one year in Damascus, several years in Tarshish, and then one year serving in Antioch before he will go off into his great missionary work for the Lord. And it will spend probably, most people believe, about 18 years of ministry. He'll die approximately at the age of 61, 62 years old. He's a guy who doesn't live a long time. Uh, quite frankly, if, if I look at it, I'm 54. I'm just four, about five, six years away from that time. And yet, he was passionate about living for Christ. As passionate as he was about going against Christ, when he got turned around, man, did the Lord use him. But he's going to fall off the pages of Acts until Acts chapter 11, verse number 30. In chapter 9 till chapter 11, verse number 30, you won't hear Saul. Saul is going to be in hiding. He's not hiding, but he's going to be uh, in learning, in school. And while he's going through that, we find, once again, one of the main characters in the early church, Peter, surfaces on the pages of her Bible. It's a beautiful testimony. Um, after Saul is done persecuting the church, it looks to me like if you do your the studies there, it's about eight or nine years since Jesus has gone back to heaven. So the church is about eight or nine years old. It has gone through a lot of challenges. They've chosen deacons. They have, they have gone through the problems with Ananias and Sapphira and, and things of that nature and the persecution and the scattering of God's people. And uh, now we're eight or nine years later and now the Apostle Paul is in Tarshish back at his hometown being, being a, a, a minister there but many, many miles away in the Greek culture of Tarshish. And uh, because he was not accepted in Jerusalem as one of the brethren early on. So he's there, but the God tells us with the change of the Apostle Paul coming to know Christ, there are some good things that happen in the churches uh, 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 generally. Look at verse number 31, would you please? Thank you for bringing your Bible and being attentive this morning. Verse number 31, the Bible says, Then, after Paul had departed... And uh, Saul had gone his way, then had the churches, by the way, plural. It's the first time you'll see the word churches, plural, in your Bible. is right there. Then churches had rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. So now the churches had scattered the, the groups of people. And a church is not a building. Buildings do not change lives. What happens inside them do. But this church is not a building. It's not a denomination. It's not an association. It is people. People who have been called out for salvation have surrendered to baptism and voluntarily joined themselves together for the propagation of the gospel of Christ. That's why you're here this morning. 
You're here because if you're a member of this church, you have been saved, you've been baptized, you have voluntarily put yourself together and say, this is where I believe God has put my life and influence and I'm going to serve the Lord in this body of believers. I met with people this morning who were interested in being baptized, or excuse me, of joining our church. And uh, we met tonight at five o'clock. I'll meet with anybody else who would have interest in doing that. And we'll talk about what it takes uh, if you want to be a member of First Baptist. And what are our responsibilities? What are our, our privileges of, of church membership? We'll talk about that this evening at 5 o'clock in my office up here. We'd love to have anybody who's interested. But a church is now assembled in many different places. The churches are uh, the churches in, in Galilee and Samaria. Now they've spread out and uh, they have rest. There's a little season where they have rest. They're not having the, the intense persecution they once did. Some believe because of the, the leader of the Roman Empire at the time set up a god on the Temple Mount to, to uh, be worshipped there by the Jews. And they were, too, they, were, they were under oppression by the Roman government, so they didn't spend a lot of time fighting other people. They were just focused on the Roman government, and they kind of let the churches continue on. But the churches had rest for this time. And boy, it takes rest to make progress. Taking advantage of the seasons of life where you can have rest. I don't like COVID. You don't like COVID. I don't like being sick. You don't like being sick. But sometimes sickness puts you on your backside for a little bit. And it lets you know that the world can get along without you. And also helps you figure out, now what is God trying to teach me here? What am I supposed to do? Sometimes you, you're doing good. You're on your job. Everything's good. But then all of a sudden you get laid off. You're thinking, oh man. You know, fear comes on you or difficult times of things. Sometimes you, you, you're fighting battles continually. Then God gives you a little season of rest. Taking advantage of those times as a child of God is very, very important. We can see uh, some people in every opportunity, they see an obstacle. But God's people in every obstacle, they see an opportunity. What is God? And Paul, even though he's not mentioned here in this passage of Scripture, if you read the rest of his life, you'll see that he went through lots of seasons where he was in prison. He was set aside. He couldn't do what he was really good at, and that was getting the gospel out. And he had to be stuck in a prison. And he had to just be given parchment papers to write letters. And aren't you glad you have the book of Ephesians and Philippians? Aren't you glad you have some of those prison epistles that you can read back on? They were given in seasons of, of, of pause. And every once in a while, you'll go through a season of pause just like the church did. Sometimes we'll be fighting alligators. Sometimes we'll be putting fires out everywhere. And occasionally, God gives a season of rest. Well, for seasons of rest, look what God wants to have happen. Look at here at what they said. And then yeah, the churches rest throughout all Judea and Samaria, excuse me, Galilee and Samaria. And what else happened? They were edified. That means they were built up. When you have seasons, that's time to build up, not to tear down, not to run away, but to be built up. Look at the next thing the Bible says. And walking in the, that's where you want to walk. You want to realize the presence of God. During this time of rest, they were edified and they were walking in the, in the presence of the Lord. They had God's spirit upon them and they were, comfort, they were comforted by whom? The Holy Ghost brought comfort to their heart or encouragement to their heart. And then what was the byproduct? The last two words. They multiplied. Then God used this season of rest to bring more uh, people to come to know Jesus and they begin to be multiplied numerically and I think spiritually as well. Look at the next verse if you would please. This is where Peter enters back onto our pages of our Bible. 
Brother, um, Brother Angelo, did you put this sermon outline up here because you want me to preach it, or is this yours, brother? Okay, man, you've, that's a subtle hint right there. Pastor, forget your outline. Preach mine. It was on purity. Is that right? Is that what you think the Spirit of God is supposed to talk about us today? Or you just do that as a trick or what? Absent-minded people, I tell you. Look at here, if we can, please, at the next, the next verse, verse 32. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout the throughout, how many quarters did he pass through? Oh, he came down to the saints which were dwelt at Leda. And there, or if you want to say Leda, that would be fine. It says, there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which was kept in his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. He was paralyzed and, and could, not, could not move. He was, he was in a bed. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt in Leda, or Lida and Sharon, they saw him and turned to the Lord. I want you to know there's a couple things here real quickly that stand out in this passage of Scripture. We find that the, the church has rest. It's being edified. The presence of God is on its people. There is great movement going on. And God is honoring the work of the Lord. It's being multiplied. Now, Peter is going throughout all the quarters of that reason. Now, of course, churches have popped up, and now God has sent one of his lead men to go and to affirm and to teach, because at the time, they do not have the New Testament of the Scriptures yet. And the Bible says in the early days, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. So, they, they couldn't go to their church and turn to the book of Matthew or Acts, because they were still going through Acts. They didn't turn to the book of Romans or 1 Corinthians or the Revelation because none of those books have been put into the Scripture yet. So they're depending, they're depending heavily upon the apostles. And Peter, not staying in Jerusalem, but going around to these churches, begins to minister to them. I personally believe that I think this area of Leda, uh, Lida and, and Joppa, definitely, I think they have some influence there uh, that is given to them possibly by Philip. Remember Philip, that first de one of the first deacons? And whenever he finished baptizing and blessing the life of the Ethiopian eunuch, he went off into Azotus and visited to multiple towns around there. One of those towns is Leda. He went to that place and he began telling people about Jesus Christ there. And when people get saved, there's a church oftentimes fostered. Our church, the reason we're here today is because 135 years ago, a man named Alan Hill came up from the Coffee Creek Baptist Church in southern Indiana. He moved his family here in August of that year. Hammond was just getting started. They were laying railroad tracks. Anybody ever been through a train here in Hammond? You can thank God for those dear ones. All right, because they, the, they laid that. They're working on the railroad going from Chicago east. And so he began talking to them about Jesus Christ. And of course, because of all these men were transplanted from all across the country to come into Hammond, there were bars and taverns and things of that nature and, and houses of ill repute and things of that nature. But he began to tell folks about Christ. In August, he opened up his home and started having Bible studies in his home. In November, he acquired the, uh, because of people getting saved, he acquired the conference room at the Morton House Hotel down the street here. And he stayed with that group of people in that hotel conference room until uh, April of the following year. Then Pastor Hewitt 
his friend came and took the people. He went back to start other churches in another place. And Pastor Hewitt came and began to um, take those people. And they grew and went down to the opera hall. And you met there on Sunday morning. And then later on, the mayor of our town, our first mayor, Mayor Toll, uh, he and his family started attending, and they gave the first piece of property to the First Baptist Church of Hammond. And they put the first building up there. But the truth of the matter is, the reason we have, we have buildings here is because of people. And not just any people, people who get saved, who hear the gospel of Christ. I think Philip went to that area. He started telling books about Christ. At the end of the day, there were little bodies of assemblies all over that area. And Peter comes to that town. When he comes to Lydda, he finds this man named Aeneas. Probably had been saved through the ministry, possibly of Philip or some other Christian. And he's laying there in a bed. And the Bible tells us that, that uh, Peter sees him. He said, Brother Aeneas, are you tired of being sick? He said, yes, I am. Eight years I've been paralyzed and stuck in this bed. He said, the Lord Jesus makes you whole. Get up, Peter. Get up, Aeneas, and make your own bed. People have been making your bed for you. You make your bed. You take care of your bed. And sure enough, God healed him. Well, as a result of Aeneas's, now, of course, this is in a period of time, and some folks disagree with this, and I'll, I'll give you your opinion to do it. I do believe that God still heals people today. I believe it with all my heart. I don't believe that any man can walk around and say, you're healed. Jesus told me you're healed, and you're healed, and you're healed. And that can, you know, Oral Roberts years ago, he, he believed he could do that, and he built a big hospital in Tulsa. Go figure. I don't know why he would build a hospital if he could heal everybody. But uh, there's a lot of shenanigans that go on in that situation. But during this time, especially the apostles had special miraculous gifts, and it was primarily to convince the Jewish man or woman that Jesus is the true Messiah. The miracles that Jesus did, Jesus did not come to feed people fish and chip sandwiches, okay? But he used that as a miracle to set them up so they would listen to the truth. People don't get saved because of a miracle, I do believe there are some people that Jesus and even others have healed that did not, uh, did not accept him. There are people who saw a miracle who didn't really get saved. Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by doesn't say a miracle. But miracles, especially in this time, the Bible tells in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 12 and 13 and 14, that the Jews required a sign. Most of us are not Jewish, and especially in this stage of time, uh, when there wasn't a Bible completed, God gave the ministry to the apostles the ability to do special things. Matter of fact, there were times where people would see Peter, and they say, I got a sick baby. I'm going to run beside him. Maybe his shadow will fall on my baby, so my baby will be healed. And God began to use him to heal people, not in his own name. You'll see, he didn't say he healed him. He said, Jesus Christ makes you heal." But he had special ability. And what happened, it gave him an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And that is the setup. You know, when, when Jesus was here, his miracles. Remember Nicodemus, that very smart, wealthy, religious man in John chapter 3? The reason he was willing to get an audience with Jesus and listen to him, tell him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, was, he said, I know, we know 
that you're a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except... He said, your miracles make me believe you could be the Messiah. And then he gave him the words and told him, you must be born again. You know why Nicodemus got saved? Not because of a miracle, but because of the words, you must be born again. And if you're here today, you're not sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. You know how you can get saved? Hearing God's word and responding in faith to God's son. That's what he's trying to do. Well, we find here that Peter, though, comes to Aeneas, and he says, Aeneas, in the name of Jesus, let Jesus heal you. And Jesus did heal him, and then he told Aeneas, stop having people serve you. Now get out there and start serving people and take care of your bed. And the Bible says, and all that were in Leda, Leda may have been a small town, but all that were there turned to the Lord. They gave attention to God's word. And I think this is important for you to understand There's nothing quite as attractive as a changed life. When you see someone's life change, that really impresses people. And you know what it does? It doesn't bring them to Christ. It gives them an ear to listen to Christ. The miracle of a changed life. That's why when you're growing the Lord, when your life changes, you're going to have some opposition. You're going to have some challenges. Why? Because the stakes are automatically higher. Because very few things attract someone's attention to listen to the gospel quite like a changed life. I have had the joy to sit down with hundreds of people and share with them the gospel of salvation. But many times, and every time, I'm not the only factor. Someone else is praying. Someone else is working. Someone else at work. Someone else, a brother, a sister, an aunt, or uncle, a grandma, a grandpa. Someone has influenced that person to believe and receive Jesus before I ever showed up on the scene. But one thing they find is like, oh, you know what? My uncle, he was a real jerk. But he's a Christian now. He's been trying to tell me, ah, listen to him, I know how he was. But he is different. You're saying that what, I'm t- what you're telling me, is that what makes him different? Yes. The attraction of a changed life. And God allowed Aeneas to be healed. And the rest of the city who saw him for eight years being crippled, now stand up and go in the grocery store with them. They think, oh, something happened to Aeneas. And they're telling me that this guy, this guy Peter, he's, he's talking about the Lord. I'm going to go hear him talk because I know he was instrumental there. And then he got the gospel to him. Let's look at the second story. The second story is about a lady named Tabitha. And that's her Aramaic name. Dorcas is her Greek name. Let's look at that. Just a few miles away from Leda in the same somewhat community. It's the modern day Tel Aviv. Here's what happens. Verse number 36. Now, there was a Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha which by interpretation was called Dorcas. And this woman, notice what she is full of. She's full of what? Good works and alms deeds. She she had been very faithful. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her body, or laid her in the upper chamber. For as much as Leda is, is nigh to Joppas, near to that area, the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent it to him, two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. They sent two men over and said, hey, come with me. And he came. Then Peter rose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the windows stood by him, all the widows stood by him weeping. So the other ladies that were her friends were just standing there crying and showing the coats and the garments 
which Dorcas made while she was with them. They're holding their, their, their blouses and their coats and their garments and their skirts, and they're holding them in their hand, and they're all crying because she made this to me. She made this. This is what she did for me. Verse number 40, but Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, turning him and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he called the saints and the widows to present her alive, and it was known uh, throughout all Joppa, and many did what? Believe in the Lord. Here was another thing that caused other people to believe in the Lord once they heard of this miracle and heard the message of the gospel. Verse 43, read it with me. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. Our time is just about up, but I want you to notice a couple other things here. First of all, I love the fact that Peter went throughout all quarters. And dear Christian, let me remind you that you have a responsibility to go and tell the gospel of Christ. Jesus went into the cities, urban areas, and into the villages, rural areas. Don't underestimate what God does in the rural areas of our world and in the urban areas of our world. If you live in the city, congratulations. If you live in the country, congratulations. God loves all of you. He, he goes there and he wants to go to the highways and the byways. So I want you to go and, and I want you to tell people about Christ because God loves everybody. And I like what Peter did because he went to all quarters, not just to the rich quarters, not to the poor, not just to that. Anybody is an option to be talked to about Jesus Christ. I think the attraction, the power of a changed life is very important for us to learn. But as he goes to Joppa, there are two men that come to him while he is in Lydda. They come to him and say, would you please come now? Don't delay. Come with us. And when he went there, he went to a home. And he didn't know the people initially. But they said, this lady, Tabitha, that's her name in Arabic and uh, in, in, in Aramaic. And, and, but her name is Dorcas in, in Greek. But this girl is just full of good work. She is just, everywhere she goes, she helps people. And she's just been used to the Lord in a wonderful way, but she got sick suddenly and she passed away. And she is, she's already been prepared for burial and she's in the upper chamber. The family's already took care of her, but is there anything you can do? And he walked by and all these widows were all there crying, holding on to uh, scarves and garments and things that she had made and weeping, their tears filling, no doubt, the garments they're standing there. And she made this for me and she did this. And Peter walks by as each of them share their testimony of what God does, has done for them through this devoted Christian lady. And Peter says, all right, well, you guys need to exit. Let me just spend a few minutes here. And just like in Old Testament, there are three, two people, Elijah and Elisha, that healed people in the Old Testament and kings. And Jesus did three times. He didn't do a lot, but he, outside of resurrecting himself or being resurrected by God, he, uh, he let Lazarus come forth. And, of course, Jairus' daughter and, and the widow of Nain, her son, he, he raised three people back. By the way, more people... Um, um, died, then were raised back. So each of the people died again. Okay? So you, you, they didn't raise them up to live forever at this, in this earthly thing. They died eventually. But he did give them more time on this world. But now Peter has seen, he saw those three miracles. He knowed how, has read what happened to Elijah and Elisha. And in somewhat in a similar passion, in a similar program, he knelt down 
and he prayed that God would see fit to bring this lady back to life. And then he turned and said, Tabitha, arise. She opens her eyes. She looks at Peter. And then it's interesting to me that God gave her life today, gave her life back to him at that time. But two things happened. It was God's power that raised her, but Peter is known for taking his hand and helping people up. Now, there are things that only God can do, and there are things that you and I need to do. You know, God is working in the lives of our friends, but you might have to make a meal to take it to their house when a loved one passes away. God wants everybody to be saved, but you might be the one to take a gospel tract and hand it to somebody at an opportune time. It is God that does the work, but it is our hand that must exercise obedience and help to people. I think when I think about the story, lessons I can learn from the early church, I see that God used a man to go in multiple places to confirm the soul's discipleship. I see the power and the attraction of a changed life. Is your life so different that people would, would ask you, like, why are you so different? I think when this world sees a spirit-filled Christian, they should say, wow. And then they should say, how? What is so different about you? And then you can talk to them about Jesus Christ, the attraction of a power and a changed life. And then I, I want you to notice here real quickly the effectiveness of a serving Christian. This Dorcas was a special lady. And that's all we know about her. You're not going to find any more passages in Scripture about Dorcas. But she was someone who ministered to other people. Would you be known as that? You know, if we passed away, I wonder if anybody will miss us. They missed Dorcas. Everybody showed up and said, good, now are you kidding me? She made this, she did this, she helped me with this. So many people, so many folks who are just caught up in the selfie generation. It's all about us. We're taking pictures of us. We get on Facebook and tell everybody our problems, how hard it is to be us. We're just focused around us. Oh, I'm so lonely. I'm so sad. I'm so miserable. I don't have this. I don't have that. And there's a common denominator, I. Me. Looks like Dorcas didn't live that way. Looks like Dorcas' life was about others. What can I do? In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10, the Bible tells us this, that God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love and your faith and how you minister to the saints. He's got it all together. He knows what's going on. I think we can learn that from this lady. And then also we can learn that it's God's power that does anything good in anyone's life. But it could be your hand that helps them up. And may God help us to do that in 2021, what was done in 2006, 7, or 8. Or excuse me, in the, in the year 6, 7, 8, after Jesus goes back to heaven. Let's be faithful. And let's learn lessons from the early church. Let's pray together, can we please?